0: Welcome to Healthy Wealthy You, where we'll continue to explore all aspects of functional medicine and good health. We'll help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. Now, here is your host, Dr. Camille Vardy.
1: Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. Today's topic is a big one. So buckle up. Here we go. There's been a lot of attention in the media about the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. There was a lot of talk about cancer risk and the short-term effects of the initial spill and the fire that occurred. A lot has been said about all of that already, but there's a big issue that's only gotten a mention or two and no one is really talking about what it really means, not just for the people of Ohio, but for all of us. This is a huge health issue, far, far beyond anything being discussed so far. And it also has significant social ramifications. There are chemicals in our food and in our environment that actually act like hormones in our bodies. Our bodies react to these chemicals as though they were hormones, and they can either block our bodies from using our own natural hormones or they can cause our bodies to react in ways that nature didn't intend. So what kind of health issues can we see? Sure, cancer is a big one here. And we especially see cancers of the reproductive organs, breast cancer, prostate, ovarian cancer, uterine. And we see other thickenings and masses, benign cysts and tumors as well. And we can see simple prostate enlargement and the health concerns that come with that. We see weight gain. These chemicals are sometimes called obesogens because they promote obesity. And we might see breast enlargement in men. And then there's PMS. Did you know that PMS is not a normal thing? It's so common that we accept it as normal. We even make jokes about it but it's hugely driven by these chemicals. Depression is another one, including postpartum depression. And infertility and changes in the reproductive system is a big one. And it affects reproductive ability in both men and women as well. And we see a lot of miscarriages, unsuccessful pregnancies. And estrogenic chemicals block testosterone so it can lead to erectile dysfunction and reduce sex drive for both men and women. Now the concerns are even greater when pregnant women are exposed to these chemicals as it can affect their babies and it can affect the babies for life. Their babies can have changes in their brain development, changes in their genitalia or in their reproductive ability. And there are changes in hormone that can even affect the drive to have children and to care for them. There are changes in aggression, including sexual aggression. And as we're starting to see, there can be gender identity changes. That's right. Gender identity concerns are not a fad. There are real biological drivers to what is happening. So what are the themes that tie all of these health issues together? One big one is the role of estrogen in the body, and that is cell duplication in pregnancy. Estrogen is what makes the cells divide, turning that one fertilized egg into a baby. But what happens when there's too much estrogen? We get wonky cell division, confused cell division, cell division out of control, and that's cancer. And where are the most receptor sites for hormones? In the ovaries, the uterus, the breasts, the prostate, the testes. So that's where we see most of the cancers. And even if it doesn't become cancer, we can get accumulations of cells, cysts, fibroids, enlarged breasts, even in men, and weight gain. Then another issue is that we can have so much estrogen That it drowns out other hormones. That's the situation that's causing PMS. The body may be producing the right amount of estrogen and the right amount of progesterone, but when all the synthetic estrogens from the environment come in, it adds to what is being made naturally and then the balance is off. Now it's important to know that hormones are measured in the body in parts per billion, So even tiny shifts can make an incredible difference. I've seen it in thousands of patients. It's astounding. So even if our body is producing the amount that it should, what we absorb from the outside, the xenoestrogens, throw the whole balance out of whack. Classic PMS, the mood issues, the pain, the breast tenderness can completely go away in many, many cases when the right amount of bioidentical hormone is given at just the right time of the month. Now, by the way, please don't try this on your own. Work with an experienced practitioner because it really does need to be the right amount at the right time of the cycle or you can make things worse. Now, mood issues can be substantial here. I've I've seen this as a major cause of depression especially in teenagers and young women. And people are being treated with SSRI antidepressants, which don't really help in this case because until the hormones are brought back into balance, the issues persist. Now, these chemicals are also a significant cause of postpartum depression. In pregnancy, progesterone levels are very high especially in the second trimester and near the end of pregnancy. Some women will even say that they love, love, love being pregnant because it was the only time in their lives that they actually felt normal. That's a telltale sign of this issue. And it's a big reason for postpartum depression because when the hormone levels return back to their usual state, the person feels deflated as though they're coming off a high. And the environmental estrogens can overwhelm testosterone too. And that's when we see lower sex drive and impotence as well. These chemicals also have a tremendous influence on fertility, conception, miscarriages, and the normal development of the fetus. It's important to remember that estrogen achieves its cell duplication because, like any hormone, It gives important messages to the body. And it gives critical messages to the body to help all the processes of pregnancy unfold as they should. And we're going to have a lot more to say on this subject later on in the show. Now, again, all of what I've been talking about is what I've seen in my own clinical experience with thousands of patients. I've seen these issues again and again. And I've seen Tiny adjustments in treatment, small hormonal shifts make a huge difference. So, let's look at some of these issues in more detail. The influence of estrogen in cancer is well established. There are thousands of studies on the effects of estrogen in cancer. Women with breast cancer are routinely screened for the sensitivity of the tumor to estrogens, and they are also routinely given drugs such as tamoxifen and aromacin, to suppress estrogen. In nine different studies, women with breast cancer were shown to have twice the level of estrogen in their bodies as they normally should. But why aren't we talking about where these exposures are coming from? It's not the body's natural estrogen doing this. It's the xenoestrogens, the environmental and dietary exposures that are causing these high levels. Now, these estrogenic chemicals are a bit of a double whammy when it comes to the immune system and cancer. They compromise the the immune system too. They've been shown to reduce T helper cells, which are the cells that help us fight viruses as well as cancer. In addition to cancer, we also see these issues impacting brain development and brain diseases. Brain cells and neural circuits are strongly dependent on estrogens. They can have a big impact because brain development begins to develop in the third week of pregnancy and women frequently don't even realize that they're pregnant at that point. So these issues can happen early and they can have lasting effects on their children throughout life. In a study by Sandra and Joseph Jacobson at Wayne State University in Detroit, they tested mothers whose diets included a lot of fish from the Great Lakes region. At that time, the Great Lakes were highly contaminated with PCBs. They tested the levels of PCBs in the blood of the umbilical cords of pregnant women. And the mothers who had high levels of PCBs were more likely to have children who tested poorly on tests of neurological development. They showed poor short-term memory and even a lower IQ. In a fantastic study from Florida International University, they studied exposure to oral contraceptives, hormone replacement therapy, and estrogen-disrupting chemicals such as bisphenol A, PCBs, and phthalates. They linked exposure to these chemicals to the promotion of nerve degeneration, compromised protection against nerve degeneration, and involvement in various neurological defects. There were changes in rearing behavior, the way the the babies in turn wanted to rear their own children. There were issues with locomotion, um, anxiety issues, learning difficulties, memory problems, and nerve abnormalities that showed up on imaging. These effects on the brain varied throughout the entire lifespan, and they were far-reaching with many different mechanisms. They found altered genes leading to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Huntington's, ALS, autism spectrum disorder, And even brain tumors, both benign and cancerous. The chemicals either activated or repressed genes that were involved in cell proliferation, growth suppression, DNA damage and repair, hormone signaling, nerve generation. And they saw that the chemicals induced a wide range of DNA damage and gene instability. Because of this, they were found to be a key factor in brain health deficits. Another excellent study from the Polish Academy of Sciences linked these chemicals to autism, attention deficit, and hyperactivity disorder, as well as learning disabilities and aggressiveness. Let's take a break here and we'll return with more on this important topic on Healthy Wealthy You.
0: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Healthy, Wealthy You will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know will help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device
1: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the
1: show with Dr. Camille. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. We're talking about hormone-disrupting chemicals, such as the ones that spilled in East Palestine, Ohio, and the far-reaching health effects that no one is really talking about. So what are these chemicals, and how do we get exposed to them? Well, there are a lot of them being produced, and the worst part is that we're being very casual about them. One of the main chemicals spilled in East Palestine was vinyl chloride, which is one of the most common estrogenic hormone disruptors. The US produces 7.2 million tons of it every year. And it was being transported without adequate safety measures, just trying to cut costs. And this will not only be the cause of cancer and other diseases for people in that area, but it will likely cause infertility and birth defects for many years to come in both humans and any wildlife living in that area. Vinyl chloride is used primarily to make polyvinyl chloride, PVC. It's a hard plastic resin used to make a variety of plastic products, including pipes that bring water into homes, wires and cable coatings, and a wide, wide variety of packaging materials. Now, interestingly, the Centers for Disease Control drafted a 300-page paper on vinyl chloride just in January, a few weeks before the spill in East Palestine. Now, they do mention that there's not a lot of data on human subjects, and there's a reason for that. We don't intentionally expose people to toxins in studies, but... There will be a lot of data coming out of Ohio in the next five and 10 and 20 years. So we will see if some of these thoughts pan out. There are a few studies in this paper worth mentioning. There are four studies of workers exposed to vinyl chloride and these workers showed issues with impotence and low libido in the four studies the range was between 8 and 35% of the workers who were experiencing this issue. The CDC paper also studied, uh, uh, cited an animal study in which the animals were found to have smaller testes damage to the tubes that carry sperm and lower sperm counts. Now, the paper also mentions several other studies which they felt didn't have a conclusive outcome, but I think it's worth taking a closer look at why. First is a study that evaluated three facilities in three different cities where PVC was produced. They found a statistically significant increase in birth defects compared to statewide and national averages. Two of the, uh, areas most affected by birth defects were the nervous system and the reproductive organs, just as we saw in earlier studies. Secondly, there's a study that saw similar workers, males, who had wives with almost four times the likelihood of miscarriages. In a third study, a West Virginia county that had a PVC plant had a higher incidence of babies born with central nervous system defects than in any other county in West Virginia. In yet a fourth study, residents of a town with a PVC plant showed a higher incidence of birth defects of the nervous system, the musculoskeletal system, and the reproductive system. And this was interesting. There were fluctuations in the rates of birth defects that match the fluctuations in production at different times of the year. Now, in each of these studies, the CDC report said that they failed to see a correlation between people who lived closer to the plant and people who lived further away. And on that basis, they felt that these studies really weren't valid and didn't find the the needed correlation. But here's the thing. Since hormones are measured in the body in parts per billion, we need to evaluate them on a different level than other kinds of environmental toxins. Parts per billion is like one drop in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. And if our bodies are that sensitive, and a woman is exposed at exactly the wrong time in her pregnancy, then does it really matter if she lives 15 minutes away or 45 minutes away from the plant? If she's drinking water from the area or if she's exposed at work even a little, then maybe there is an endocrine disruption here. We will see as things unfold in East East Palestine in the next few years. The amounts that spilled will show us. Now, another common chemical that's an endocrine disruptor is BPA or bisphenol A, and it's commonly used in plastic. It's used in baby bottles, water bottles, food storage containers, food cans, to-go cups, and plastic forks, knives, and spoons. It's even used in the pipes that bring water into your kitchen. It's found in sealants, that dentists use in your mouth. It's become so common that it's found in the air and in dust that settles in homes. And there is enough in our bodies that there is a measurable amount in breast milk. Now, often we can find cans and bottles that say BPA-free and that helps sometimes, but there are two substitutes, bisphenol S and bisphenol F, that have a similar chemical structure and can have the same effects. Bisphenol A was found in research at Stanford University Medical School to have an estrogenic impact in amounts of five parts per billion. Again, that's like a single drop in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. In a laboratory, one gram, that is about one teaspoon is handled with such extreme care because if it were spilled, it would contaminate the entire lab and invalidate any experiments inside. And think about that there are more than 1 million tons of bisphenol A produced in the United States every year. 1 million tons. So minimizing exposure is the best way. I store my food in glass canning jars instead of plastic. Maybe make your own coffee at home instead of getting it to go. Keep eating utensils at your desk so that you aren't using plastic ones so much. And be aware that heat makes these chemicals leach out into the food more readily. So if you do use plastic containers, wait until the food cools off before you store it. Another common xenoestrogen chemical are the phthalates. These are chemicals that can make plastics more durable or more soft and flexible. They're found in soaps, shampoos, hairspray, vinyl flooring, solvents, and lubricants. But here's the weird thing. A lot of it is also found in food. Phthalates are used in the gloves that are used for food handling it's used in plastic food wrapped wrappers and plastic to go containers and phthalates particularly migrate easily into the food about 80% of fast food is found to contain significant levels so that makes me really want to go to the farmers market another common chemical is non nonylphenol i always have such a hard time saying that this this chemical is banned in europe but it's used regularly in the us it's common in laundry and dish detergents it's used in fabric production paints and lubricants so yes it's in your laundry and it's your dishwashing soap even though there are almost 200 chemicals that could do the same job of breaking up grease that are on the safe chemical ingredient list. One of the first insights into non came when the Corning Glass Company started using them in the production of test tubes. In an experiment being conducted at Tufts University on breast cancer, it was noticed that there was this sudden unexplained new growth of cancer cells in certain specimens. After many attempts to isolate what had suddenly changed, it was pegged to the new test tubes. It was confirmed with Corning at the time that something had changed in the production of the test tubes. Although that they said that the change was proprietary, we now know what it was. That was how small an amount of these chemicals it took to make a difference. Just what was absorbed from heating up the glass test tube make the difference. And we use it in our dishwashing soap to clean the dishes we eat from. Next on our list are pesticides and fungicides. So, eating organically whenever possible is not just important because of the toxicity, but also because of the hormonal impact. One of the biggest of these chemicals is glyphosate. And this one is a triple whammy. Not only is it a carcinogen, and that has been proven in court, it's also a hormone disruptor. But even more so, This is the chemical that's modified into genetically modified foods. Most people don't think that they've ever eaten food that is genetically modified. But the reality is that we all have, and we continue to do it almost every day. About 80% of the foods found in American stores have some genetically modified ingredients. So unless you're reading labels very carefully or specifically seeing the non-GMO verified seal, you could very likely be having these foods. So why is this one so important? Instead of spraying the pesticide on the food, it's chemically incorporated into the cell. So this means, first of all, that you can't wash it off. The even bigger issue is how your body reacts to it. When you eat a food that has been genetically modified, your body tries to look at that protein and says, well, this is sort of something I recognize. And it goes in and uses it to make the proteins in your body, your muscles, your organs, your blood, your brain. But the cell is weird, even though your body did its best. Then there is your immune system, which comes along, it's trained to recognize foreign invasors. It sees this cell and reacts to it as though it's an invader. And your immune system attacks your own cells. Glyphosate is arguably the largest single cause of autoimmune disease. Now we will have a whole episode on this triple whammy of GMOs in the future. But in the meantime, check out the Institute for Responsible Technology, Jeffrey Smith. There's a non-GMO shopping guide and everything you could want to know about this issue. Again, that's the Institute for Responsible Technology. Another big source of exposure of hormone-disrupting chemicals are beef and dairy products. They feed hormones to cows to fatten them up. And get them to produce more milk, and to get them to do it for longer in the year. And oh my, reading what they do to these cows in conventional milk production, just to keep them producing more milk, more milk, it grossed me out just to read about it. And it's not like they're even animals, they're treated like machines. I really advocate for this to be eliminated. And one of the main reasons is that one of the most important go to foods for a pregnant mother is milk. And that's going to create a lot of the birth defects that we've been talking about. Many industrial chemicals are xenoestrogens. So if you live or work in an industrial area, you should know what chemicals you're being exposed to. Many of these chemicals seep into the groundwater, so good filtration for the water in your home is important. Then we have a very direct source, a very intentional source in medications, birth control pills, and hormone replacement. We're producing crazy amounts of these chemicals and we're treating it very casually. The effects on our health have been and will be even more so in the future, tremendous. We aren't going to turn back the clock and start producing them, I recognize that. They are a part of modern life. But we don't wanna be casual about how much we produce, how much we use, and how they are handled. East Palestine happened because they were cutting costs on transport, and that is going to cost the people who live there immeasurably. Let's take a break here, and we'll be right back with Healthy Wealthy You.
0: America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Healthy, wealthy you will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. will help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice
1: America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille.
1: Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille, and we're talking today about chemicals in our food and our environment that mimic hormones and how they impact our health. And as we will discuss even more, it impacts our fertility and babies as they develop and grow. Now, we've known about these chemicals for a long time. I first became aware of this issue when I read read a fantastic book called Our Stolen Future by Theo Colburn, Diane Dumanoski, and John Peterson Myers. This book was published in 1996, and it was based on a symposium in Europe in which 17 countries participated. They went back and looked at a lot of the cancer studies from that time and said, instead of looking at this from a a standpoint of toxicity, let's look at it as a hormonal issue. And they found some really startling things. One of the authors, Theo Colburn, was a zoologist. And so she specialized in studying animal populations, both in the lab as well as in the wild. This book is chock full of studies and it really is incredible to read. And I'm going to just pick out a few for you here. What's important about these studies, even though many of them are on animals, is just the incredible number of studies and the number of different animal populations that were studied and were affected. It includes studies on multiple kinds of birds, fish, amphibians, on mice, bears, whales, and even rhesus monkeys. The monkeys are especially important because rhesus monkeys are often used intentionally in experiments because their bodies react extremely similarly to humans. And they're an excellent test of how bodies will react, how human bodies will react. And again, there aren't that many studies on how these chemicals affect humans because we don't intentionally expose humans to poisons. So looking at what happens to animals is at least eye opening. Keep in mind that even though many of these chemicals that I'm going to describe have been banned, um, they have been replaced with a lot of new ones that have similar hormone disrupting effects. As early as the 1930s, experiments at Northwestern University Medical School showed that estrogen, given at the wrong time of development in lab animals, created structural issues with the uterus, the ovaries, and could even stunt male genital organs. In the late 1970s, research conducted by Michael Fry at the University of California at Davis investigated the impact of the pesticide DDT. He saw that male seagulls exposed to DDT had disruptions in their reproductive organs. Males had female components in their their reproductive tracts, including the canals in which female birds normally lay eggs. These were all things that they found in the birds internally. They looked like normal male birds from the outside, but it clearly showed a disruption in development. In the female birds, there were sometimes two sets of egg canals when there was only supposed to be one. In another study, um, Glenn Fox of the Canadian Wildlife Service studied mating patterns and noticed some behavioral abnormalities. The males had less interest in defending the nests and females were less inclined to sit on the eggs to allow them to hatch. Nests were abandoned and became subject to predators, which wiped out entire generations of young birds. These behaviors were not observed in unpolluted lakes in the same region. In another study from the University of London at New Cross, they studied a variety of animals exposed to DDT, and they also saw strange behaviors in females as well as males. The females exhibited what we normally think of as male behavior. They would assume a mounting position in mating, and they marked territory. Now, again, we would never want to intentionally give people a toxic substance as part of a study, but there is a lot of evidence based on what we see unintentionally. The first use of these chemicals in humans was the prescription of DES. It was a synthetic estrogen that was given to women supposedly to prevent miscarriage. I say supposedly because we came to know 60 years later that these chemicals actually contribute to miscarriages. But DES has been important to look at because of the huge numbers of women exposed. And it also has given us an opportunity to study the long range effects. And that's something that we really won't know with some of the newer chemicals that we're producing for many decades to come. DES was originally introduced as a wonder drug. It was given for miscarriages almost universally, whether there were issues or not. It was touted to lead to stronger, healthier babies. And then it was given to suppress milk production, to alleviate hot flashes. It was given as a morning after pill. It was used to treat acne. And it was even given to stunt the growth of girls who are considered unfashionably tall. Eventually it would be given to 5 million women worldwide. And in the end, it was shown to be both carcinogenic and to cause severe birth defects, including structural anomalies of the cervix, uterus and fallopian tubes. It caused infertility, spontaneous abortion, preterm delivery, and stillbirths. About 25 years after DES was readily prescribed, a cluster of patients was seen at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. This cluster of patients had a very rare type of vaginal cancer. All of the women were between 15 and 22 years old, and they had a cancer that usually only affects women after 50. It turned out that every single one of them had been exposed to DES in the womb. Now, how does estrogen create these variations? The messages that determine whether the child becomes a boy or a girl happens at the seventh and 14th week of development. Up until seven weeks, boys and girls start out with the same development. Then if it's the baby's going to be a boy, hormone signals occur at the seventh week to assert maleness. In the 14th week, more signals come to take away the feminine aspects. If the baby's going to be a girl, these messages are absent and the baby just develops as a girl. Now, the body must get the right signals at the right time these signals at the seventh and 14 weeks need to happen properly for gender development to occur correctly. If the messages at either time don't happen as they should, uh, then dysfunctions in development can occur. And that's what happened when, that's what we saw happen in the animals. And that's what happened with the DES babies. And that may be what has been happening with bisphenol A, with phthalates, and all the other chemicals I mentioned. Now, we don't know this definitively, not yet, but I think we will see the same kind of hormone disruption in East Palestine. Time will tell. And I do think it's been happening for perhaps 20, 30 years or more. And I think it's starting to have huge ramifications for us socially and that it will even grow to tremendous proportions more over time. As we said, it was speculated even in the 1960s, even in the 1990s, that the changes that were being seen in animal populations might be happening in humans. And I absolutely do believe we are. Now, please know that I approach this as a biologist. I am not coming at this from any political point of view, but I do believe that we're in the process of creating one of the biggest evolutionary shifts in human history. We really are changing our evolution. We are changing ourselves as a species. I believe that we're genuinely creating a third gender not entirely male or female. I believe that non-binary is real. It's not a fad. It is not politics. It's a misfiring in the seventh and 14th weeks of gestation. So whatever you believe, whatever your politics, whatever your faith, whatever your personal belief system, please hear me out. We saw it in animals, we saw it in DES babies, and I believe we're now seeing it in humans. There's a new generation in their teens, 20s, maybe even 30s, that truly have a changed biology, and they are at the cutting edge of a wave, a bigger wave that's coming, and we need to address it. If we don't, there will be a big mental health crisis for our young people. This is not politics. This is not a social trend. It's not about a woke mind virus as we were seeing in the news this week. That phrase is such gibberish that whoever thought it up must have too many chemicals on their brain. What does woke really mean? It means I woke up, I became aware, and we need to be aware of what is happening to our young people because we cannot escape biology. And I have special concerns for young people in the heartland, kids who have grown up or are growing up near dairy farms or any farm where pesticides and fungicides and glyphosate is used. Most especially, some of these kids also live in places where gender identity issues might be scorned where the things that their biology is saying to them is scorned by the people around them, by other kids at school, even perhaps by their own family members. We can deny it all we want, we can ignore it, we can try to fight it, they can try and fight it, but biology ultimately will not be denied. This is happening. What concerns me is that if we deny that these young people are going through this, they won't have an outlet for what's happening to them. If we show them scorn, they will scorn themselves. They will have self-hatred. They might turn to addictions or even worse, suicide. No one chooses to feel this way. So. If you have someone in your family that might be having gender identity issues, or if you know someone who does, educate yourself. Share this podcast. Learn everything you can. Know that this is not their fault, and this is not their choice. It's their biology. And if you're a farmer, or if you are a mother, and you feel that you might have had a role in this, please know also, it's not your fault. You didn't know. The only people at fault are the ones that keep producing these chemicals, even though the science has been there for decades. You may not want to believe what I'm saying, but time will tell. East Palestine will be a proving ground. So if you know someone struggling with this, please reach out, talk to them, find out what they're experiencing, find out what they need. It is, if it's your child, throw your arms around them and hold them and love them. Embrace them in every sense of the word. So what's the positive note here? Because you know that I always like to leave you with something positive, And you can be proactive here. So again, first of all, avoid these chemicals as much as you can. Minimize exposure to plastics with your food and your beverages, especially hot foods and beverages where the heat will leach out the chemicals. Get a really good water filtration system so that you can filter out whatever chemicals might remain in your water. Eat organically wherever possible, especially beef and dairy products. Avoid pharmaceutical hormone replacement. Opt for bioidentical hormones when needed. And please, please be careful with these things when pregnant or if you're thinking of becoming pregnant. Next, work with a functional medicine practitioner like myself in two ways. You can use a good detoxification supplement that will help push the liver pathway that will help eliminate this group of chemicals. There's information about that on my website. Then if you're having specific issues related to this, you can have your hormones tested and you can work to compensate with bioidentical hormones. Remember, hormones act in the body in parts per billion, so working with someone knowledgeable is important. But it also means that small changes can make a dramatic difference. Then, please advocate for legislation that supports removing these chemicals from production to whatever extent possible. Advocate for cleanup programs and tell your friends, promote awareness promote education. We need to have politicians that understand science, use your vote, and advocate for a greater awareness of what is to come on the mental health level. We need to be prepared with a shift in services and a deep shift in our understanding of what's needed. And we need to not only rein in corporate greed, we also need to rein in corporate ignorance. The disaster in East Palestine has been widely said to be completely avoidable. It was the result of corporate cost cutting. Someone tried to save a few dollars, and it will cost billions. And for some, it will cost far more than money. These were decisions made by people who just didn't even come close to comprehending the impact of their decisions. And that cannot be allowed to continue. Lastly, please have compassion for anyone you know that may be affected by this in any way, whether it's an inability to conceive, or debilitating mood issues, or gender issues. No one chooses this. We are driven by our biology, always. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Camille, and this is Healthy, Wealthy You.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Healthy, Wealthy You. Have a question but weren't able to get on the show today? Join us next week and call in. Until then, hold that inspiration.